I'm Cameron DeVazier. And I'm Mark Howard. And this is Talking Points. We have arrived, Pastor Howard, at present truth in Deuteronomy, Amen. the fourth quarter of the year 2020. We're in the fourth quarter of 2021. It feels like we're still yes, talking sir. about 2020, but we're almost still to 2021. I've been looking forward to this quarterly just because I love the book of Deuteronomy. And it's just so, it is like... It's funny that the first thing I saw when I got this quarterly was Deuteronomy. And I thought, man, Deuteronomy is such an applicable book to today. Mm. It's like it speaks right to it. And then I noticed the present, present truth. truth in. All right. So it's not just reviewing history. There's going to be a lot of application in this one. And I'm excited about that. Well, it's funny that you say that because our first chapter is kind of reviewing history. <laughs> well, well, to be clear, there's going to be a lot of history in Deuteronomy. We're looking for application. Yes. Now. In fact, this first lesson is entitled. Well, you know what? Before Let's we get into this. Well, before we even do that. North Asia Pacific is the division mm -hmm. that we're highlighting in mission yes. this quarter. And that includes Japan, Korea, Mongolia, and Taiwan. Beautiful. So that's what we're giving to this quarter. And those are where the special 13% projects are going to go to. Yes. So we need to keep that in mind. Also a thing to keep in mind is that October 29 to 31, we have a Talking Point Sabbath School training That's at right. Campus Abel uh, called Thoroughly Equipped. We're going to be looking at not only things for teachers, but superintendents and even just members as a whole. If you want to see your Sabbath School be more effective and productive and more mission focused and more edifying for everyone, you don't want to miss out on it. You can go to michigansspm.org and right at the top, there'll be this little banner for registration. You click on that and you can fill out everything you need in that form right there. Yep, gives so, you the details and what have you. What yes, we sir. need to get going in our lesson study today. Oh, yeah. So our title of this particular lesson is Preamble to Deuteronomy. So we're not quite studying Deuteronomy. We're almost to Deuteronomy. I, I was a little bit disappointed when I saw that because you know how in the East Sabbath School teachers understand this. We have... 13 weeks mm -hmm. to cover 34 chapters and we just took one week to not yet to tell hey any some chapters are coming like, up watch out <laughs> like, but i get it we'll talk about it this okay and so you prepared the talking points you're going to walk us through that yes. but before we do let's bow our heads for a word of prayer heavenly father thank you for this opportunity to study this important book of the bible and not just from a history perspective, but for an application to our current circumstance. So Lord, please bless us with your Holy Spirit now as we record this and uh, as Sabbath school teachers are preparing and Sabbath school classes are held, help all of us to be richly blessed. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, Pastor Howard, what are we looking at this week? Well, as I mentioned, we're not really going to be looking a whole lot at Deuteronomy itself this week because this is the preamble to, kind okay. of leading in the backdrop. The lesson highlights that we've got a thousand years of history prior to Deuteronomy that we need to understand as it leads into our story. So that's what a lot of our lesson is going to be. Okay. And so I've got three talking points that I've drawn out of this uh, week's lesson. The first is that the entire Bible is a revelation of God's love. Okay. That's drawn from Sunday and Monday's lesson. Talking point number two, God has called out his church from the world with a purpose. Mm. Now, I don't know how you're going to fit it on the screen. I didn't fit it in the notes because it was kind of cramped. I'm so not going to fit have, it on the screen yet. What I have in the notes is God has called out his church from the world, but the, mm -hmm. with a purpose is, we'll explain that. Okay. And then finally, the goal of preaching the gospel is obedience to the faith. Mm. And we'll see the tie-in to that, or the lead-in to Deuteronomy as we get to that part. Okay. So this entire Bible is a revelation of God's love. What? How in the world does that connect to Deuteronomy? What well, the le well, first of all, we're, it's the preamble. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> so it doesn't. So we're trying to get it. It does. <laughs> okay. 
But uh, the memory verse this week is First John 4, 8 that tells us that God is love. And the lesson highlights the importance of understanding the love of God. And it's interesting that the lesson says on Sunday afternoon, we just aren't able to comprehend fully what God is love means. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what to do with this. I, I, I have to tell you, I'll tell you the story. I had a friend of mine who went to a camp meeting some this has been 20 years ago and I remember him coming back and we were saying how was it he said oh it was the same old it just the guy just talked about love 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 and, and and I couldn't help you know you think about it it sounds so like who are you man <laughs> I mean that should be a good thing right yeah. but I knew what he was saying as soon as he said it like there was no real substance to it it mm. wasn't because here's the thing when the Bible says God is love mm -hmm. what it's telling us is God defines love and what tends to happen is we always tend to want to superimpose on God what we think love a is. A notion of love. So, for yeah. example, when we get into the Bible, and even with the admission here that we can't fully understand this, but let's just chant love, 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 love over and over, and that's going to help people understand God's love better than just reading mm. the story. In other words, there are some stories where like, oh, you're just starting out in Christian faith, go read the Gospel of John, as if... You're not going to get God's love in other books of the Bible. Mm -hmm. Okay? And right. so the point is, the whole Bible, if God is love, the record of Scripture reveals that love. And as, as foreign as it may seem to my mind, how the rebellion of Korah could reveal a self-sacrificial, loving God who'd be willing to give His only begotten Son to save us. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't get that... It, Yet that will be revealed to a person who reads the Rebellion mm -hmm. of Korah in Scripture because this is a revelation of the love of God. Mm -hmm. And the Spirit of God will bring that home to the heart. Right, so if God's the author of it, it's describing himself, the Holy Spirit's going to lay it on our hearts, there maybe isn't the need for the agency of man to say, well, what this means is love and love and love. It's like, well, the Holy Spirit's going to work on that. Let's just read the text itself. That's right. And so I have in the notes, love is better caught than taught. You've mm -hmm. heard that expression used with other things. We can try to explain love, even even to the point where one of our, our um, church leaders from times past has used, used the word histrionic, that mm -hmm. preachers try to be histrionic. And that's a word that's where you try to impose even um, um, the tone of voice right. and make and, a... And, and mannerisms and syrupy and breathy. And yeah, like, be real like... breathy when you talk about <laughs> As if you, you just invoke, you're, you're, you're in, what I was, infusing emotion Mm. into your presentation as if somehow that is going to make people get it, mm -hmm. you know, instead of just... And we just need to be clear that the Bible is a divine book. Ellen White used to use an expression when people try to improve upon God's works. And she said, using the story of Uzzah, where Uzzah tried to study the Ark of God, steady it when it was going to fall, yeah. not study, steady. <laughs> and, and he was struck dead. And she uses that story and she says, hands off the Ark, brethren. Mm. Don't try to study the ark of God. Don't think you need to add to. Well, I know that there's a story in the We're Bible, but make if it I, loving or if make I get it relevant or yes. make it something, it, it, it already, already is loving. It is, is love. Yeah. Not, not not opposed to trying to explain the love of God. Just mm -hmm. I I think it should be clear 
in this backdrop that we're looking at that the whole Bible is that revelation of love. And you had mentioned as we were preparing for this mm -hmm. that, you know, oftentimes we read a story in the Old Testament and we say, but you got to remember that God is love. Like we've got to, <laughs> yeah. and, and what if we what if we flip that around? My point was, I was like, because it just dawned on me, we always try to take the Old Testament and infuse the New Testament love, Jesus right. picture into it. It's like, now forget, this is the same Jesus. who. Well, what if we did that the opposite way of the New Testament? Every time Christ was nice to a sinner or, or was was you know, taking in a child, and you know, we were like, remember now remember that time he had a scourge, exactly. In the or remember, don't forget, he's going to judge that child when he grows up. So you better. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. like we would never try to add judgment right. to the New Testament picture of God. Why do we always try to add love to That's the Old right. Testament? It's the same God. Through and we through. don't think about what we're really doing is we're trying to balance out God mm. from being extreme. We're trying to so steady the ark. <laughs> remember, yes. Mm. The entire Bible is a revelation of God's love. And one thing that's consistent that the lesson brings out is the freedom of choice that lies mm. at the heart of that revelation. Bible highlights the fall of Lucifer from heaven, highlights the fall of Adam and Eve, mm -hmm. highlights the falling away of the antediluvian world. And I said, just so that when you're teaching class, remember it's anti, A-N-T-E, or antediluvian, not anti-diluvian. <laughs> right. Anta is before. I'm sure they were all against the flood. <laughs> and diluvian yeah. has to do with the deluge or the flood. So yeah. it's before the flood. Yeah. Now, I'm sure, yes, anti-diluvian would be against the flood. which, yeah. <laughs> But the word is antediluvian. Right. And the, the lesson points out that all of those fallings away illustrate to us that God gave them the, the, the right to choose mm -hmm. even to be lost because to do anything different would not be love. Mm. You, you can't force love. love. Love by its own nature has to, is a choice. And so we see that as God is love, it's mm -hmm. exhibited in the fact that he's given his beings freedom of choice, which leads us to the next talking point. Now, before we look at that, could you read the statement sure. from Patriarchs and Prophets there, page four, uh, 49? God placed man under law as an indispensable condition of his very existence. He was a subject of the divine government, and there can be no government without law. God might have created man without the power to transgress his law. He might have withheld the hand of Adam from touching the forbidden fruit. But in that case, man would have, would have been not a free moral agent, but a mere automaton. We would say a robot today. Right, yeah. Without freedom of choice, his obedience would not have been voluntary but forced. There could have been no development of character. Such a course would have been contrary to God's plan in dealing with the inhabitants of other worlds. It would have been unworthy of man as an intelligent being and would have sustained Satan's charge of God's arbitrary rule. <laughs> been a, I'd, a I'd lot love of bad to take reason. the whole rest of this and talk about this statement. Yeah, that's this a huge statement, statement she just made. Yeah. The idea that you couldn't develop character without freedom to choose and all of that, mm. just it's fascinating in the whole scheme of the great controversy. So this is the backdrop, mm -hmm. of Deuteronomy. obviously, yeah. of everything. Yeah. And so leading into the story of Deuteronomy, this helps, helps us make more sense of it. And this freedom of choice leads us to the second point, and that is God has called out his church from the world, and as I said, with a purpose. Mm -hmm. In other words, you know, you have the, the freedom of choice, you have the falling away, and God gives man that freedom of choice, so he also, in that freedom of choice, gives mankind the right to choose to follow him. Mm -hmm. Well, thus, especially if you think about it from the sense that if God has a right way and a law that's to be followed and righteous, and man's heart and the society that we've created here is against that, then if we're going to be followers of God, it essentially automatically necessitates a removal from the bad to step right. into the good. So it's no surprise that God's followers, Absolutely. the church... 
are those who are called out of darkness into light. That's right. And so you mentioned that, and it says, the, the, j- just for those who may not be aware, the word in the New Testament for church comes from the Greek word ecclesia, and it mm-hmm. literally, literally means called out. That's what church means. Yes. So you're called, and of course, we see that in, uh, Paul talks about the church in the wilderness when he talks mm-hmm. about the Israelites. We see we, we, with, with Noah that God called him out from the world around him, from mm-hmm. the antediluvian world. We see Abraham was called out of Ur of the Chaldees. Chaldees yeah. We see then the Israelite nation was called out of Egypt. And so God gives man choice, and he because he doesn't force, he invites. Mm. And that calling out mm-hmm. is that invitation to follow the Lord. Now, mm. if you look at... Uh, Tuesday's lesson, last paragraph. Could you read that for us? In a world steeped in ignorance, error, and a general lack of knowledge of truth, the Lord called out a people, his people, Abraham's seed from Egypt. In them he sought not only to preserve knowledge of the truth, that is, knowledge of him, Yahweh, and the plan of salvation, but also to spread that knowledge to the rest of the world. That's right. And so now you have the call, God you know, doesn't force, he mm-hmm. invites, and he calls his people out to follow him. What does it mean to follow him? What's inherent in that call? Mm-hmm. What's inherent in this call out of the church? Mm-hmm. It's the purpose of the church, and that's why I say God's called his people out with a purpose. And So he, he didn't just separate them and say, all right, this one's bad, these ones are good, the end. That's so right. he's going to do something with them. There's a purpose in calling that's them That's right. He called out, and if we look at the call of Abraham, God said he's going to make him a great nation. Mm-hmm. Well, what did that mean? He was Why? going to make him yeah. a great nation. How is mm. the the how, what, just his own descendants? And when we come to the book of Galatians, and I'm going to refer to the lesson because the lesson on Tuesday, in the second paragraph, highlights this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says the apostle Paul, in seeking to deal with the heresy of the Galatians, pointed back to Abraham's call, showing it to be an early expression of what God's intentions had always been, the gospel to the world. Mm -hmm. And then the lesson quotes from Galatians, Therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So he makes, Paul mm-hmm. makes the application that that call to Abraham was really a call for Abraham to preach the gospel to the world. Mm-hmm. So, so Abraham and his descendants, that special called out nation, was merely to be a vehicle to get this message to the whole world. It wasn't just for Abraham, but through Abraham to the whole world. And that's, that's what right. Paul is saying. That's the gospel to the world beforehand. That's yeah. exactly right. So Paul makes that application. We can go back to Noah. We talked about Noah. Well, Noah didn't just get in the boat to be saved. He preached to yeah. invite other people to get on the boat. Yeah. And when we come to the the nation of Israel, which you read that statement further in the page, they were to carry on that same call given to Abraham. They, mm. too, were to be a witness to the world. And we see that in Exodus chapter 19, if you want to read that. Sure. Exodus 19, verses 4 through 6. 19, 4 through 6. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. Now, you can get away with, when you go to verse 5, and the lesson brings this out. Actually, it goes 19, 4 through 8, but we did 4 through 6 on Wednesday's lesson. But you can get the idea... When you go through verse 5, oh, we're going to be a special people. And then you get the exclusive mindset, like mm-hmm. we're the special people. We're mm-hmm. over here and you're over there. And Especially come, when he says, above all people. <laughs> right. like, okay. 
And then, but then you come to verse six, and what is that? What is he going to do with that specialness? He says, "You shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation." Well, the priests represented the God to the people, mm-hmm. and. Also, it was interceding between the people and God. So well, here we see a little bit of that mission that he gave to Abraham. Well, I think that's intimated in that last clause because it just ended with um, special treasure to me above all people. Like, oh, yes. and he says, for all the earth is mine. He's like, right. I'm trying to, the whole earth is my game plan here. I'm using you as a special agent to get to them, right? So it's not just for the purpose of having you, but the whole earth I'm trying to win through you. That's right. So uh, Wednesday's lesson, paragraph four says the this idea of a special treasure, however, could be easily misunderstood. Their specialness came not from anything inherently holy and righteous in and of themselves. Instead, it was because of God's grace given to them and because of the wonderful truths he had bestowed upon them, truths that they were to follow and, as a kingdom of priests, eventually spread to the world. So we mm-hmm. see that concept of mission, that purpose for God calling out his church, and obviously we draw the parallels in the same way God has called out the Seventh-day Adventist church out of Babylon mm-hmm. and instructed her to call others out of Babylon as well. We could look at Revelation 14, 6 through 12, the three angels' messages. That's right. And so like the Israelites that we just read, their specialness, mm-hmm. what was their specialness from? It came from the special truths that they right. had. Well, right. we should resonate with that. It's not, and I put in my notes, Deuteronomy 7, 7, you know, God, I didn't choose you because you're the greatest of all people. Yeah. I think of that all the time when it comes to Seventh-day Adventists, because they're Seventh-day Adventists today, like, I don't like the term remnant, and mm-hmm. I don't, at worst, we say we're better than everybody. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. When we say the remnant, we're probably saying we're the biggest knuckleheads of everybody, and God's well, saying, if I can do it with these guys, I can do it with anybody. Well, I think of the New Testament, and the Apostle Paul was supposed to be, you know, the, the preacher of the gospel of the Gentiles, tearing down the wall of distinction or everything, and yes. he had to... You rhetorically argue and say like well if there's no distinction why even have the jews why was there special right. well first of all the, their distinction was they were entrusted with the oracles of god like That's exactly their, right. their specialness is not their inherent purpose but the purpose of mission that God gave them. That was their purpose. You know, that's, that's right. their specialness. And so in God, you know, talking point number two, God has called out his church from the world with a purpose. Mm-hmm. We see that in the past and that continues right on. To we'll today, see it in even. Deuteronomy. We'll see it with the children of Israel and we'll see the applications to us as mm-hmm. Seventh-day Adventists. And something that we could take away from this also is that when God called Abraham, you know, Abraham didn't stay in Ur of the Chaldees and preach the gospel. He left. Mm. And Ellen White tells us that that unquestioning obedience of Abraham is one of the most striking evidences of faith in all the Bible. It was that action that accompanied his Mm. belief that preached along with what he had to say. And so what I have here in the notes is God called Abraham out from among the nations so his life could bear witness to his message. Mm. The call to preach the gospel then must include a coming out of Ur of the Chaldees, which incidentally mm. was where Babylon was Babylon. based, right? Well, you think of even in the first angel's message, there's this saying to the loud voice, you know, it's, there's, a, there's an, a proclamation, but there's also give glory to him. That's right. In our sense, so there's a demonstration and a proclamation. There's a Absolutely. life and message that correspond. And that leads us to our third point. So we preach that gospel message to what end? And I want to turn to Romans. Now, this was not in the lesson, but it came to my mind as I was preparing, and that is Romans chapter 1, verse 5. You see the same thing in Romans 16, 25, almost verbatim, but we'll read Romans uh, 1 and verse 5 if you want to read that. Sure. It. it says, Through him we have received grace and apostleship, 
for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. Okay, and again, similarly in Romans 16.25, Paul says the reason the gospel is given is for obedience to the faith. Mm -hmm. In other words, it's to turn people, as he said in the book of Acts, from darkness to light, uh -huh. right? From disobedience and rebellion to obedience to God. Mm -hmm. And we see that. I'm not going to say a whole lot about that. You know, the call to Noah and Abraham and Israel, the nation of Israel, was all a call to obedience. And this is going to be evidenced throughout the book. Like, this is the <laughs> theme consistent theme in the book of Deuteronomy is this call to obedience. Well, even in the name Deuteronomy, and I'm sure they're going to get to it, it's the second giving of the law, right? right? It's the whole purpose is remind you that God's got a law and we're to be accountable to it. That's right. So the lesson, in fact, poses this question. It's in, in the discussion questions on Friday. Uh, question number two, it says, with obedience so central to the whole Bible, what then is legalism? What mm. factors can turn an attempt to be faithful to God and to his commandments into the trap of legalism? Boy, if you just ask that one question, you know, I'm thinking of a Sabbath school teacher. like, if you want to, you know, not, your, your class you know, is, hold on to the reins. Exactly. It's, it's going to open the floodgates and everybody's going to have an opinion on this one, you know, but it's like that. In a lot of people's minds, I think there will be almost a cognitive dissonance. Like, why are we talking obedience, and how would we not make that automatic? I thought obedience was legalism. Anytime you talk, it, this is one of the... We, we could do an entire episode just kind of trying to clarify this point. Because anytime we talk about obedience, there are a lot of people who... I don't know how it's come about through mis... You know, whether they were taught this way or misunderstandings or any kind of blend mm -hmm. of whatever, but that obedience is almost equated to legalism. Like, obedience reaches a point, like, I can obey, but if I start obeying, like, really carefully... Like, carefully or intensely or... Like, like I'm going to keep eight of the commandments. So I start pushing nine mm -hmm. of the commandments. I'm put, If I get to ten and I'm being so nitpicky, but then <laughs> that becomes legalism. As if a certain level of obedience it, it becomes legalism. And that's... And you know, it's got to stress people out, because I, I, I preached a message about this years ago, about how the idea is like, we don't want to be so flagrantly in rebellion that we're clearly out of bounds, right? right. But we also don't want to, like, be super, you know, careful and studious right. about God's law, because that makes... So what we want to do is find that really nice balance of, like, being good enough to be saved, but bad enough to still have something for grace to cover. You right. know what I'm saying? So we want to always... We, so we look, all, yeah. I want to be faithful to my wife, but not so much that I don't have any girlfriends on the side, right. because but that would be over few, the top. Exactly. You don't want to be Solomon over I'm here. I'm not but, serious. <laughs> but the point is that we, we end up playing these mental games that are completely outside of Scripture That's uh, right. because of these preconceptions right. that are out there. They're unnecessary. So I put in the nose, legalism is determined by motive, not actions. Mm. It is not an attempt to obey God. It's an attempt to earn salvation by our own goodness, and oftentimes to the exclusion of obeying God, as we were talking about. The mm. Pharisees, Jesus said, you tithe the mint and the anise and the cumin, but you avoid the way to your matters of the law. Like, if they were so particular, why would they be avoiding anything? <laughs> so the point is, there were things they didn't want to do, so they built up all the things that they did want to do as if right. it would offset. And we were talking yes. about how that, ty that you see type that in of institutions thinking, a yes. lot, whether it's like, you know, uh, schools or churches or whatever the institution might be. When you can't get a grasp on, it's even hard to articulate and you certainly want to touch on nerves and really sensitive issues or mm -hmm. big like, boy, the, the kid's character is way off or a whole direction yes. is off. We might come up with a really hard dress code and yeah. enforce that or, or like come up and I'm so, not against so dress example, codes. Let's and be I've clear. seen this, yeah. but I'm not gonna, I'm, I won't be too uh, specific, but you know, 
we've got a situation where uh, a couple of the students in an academy are uh, having relations together. Mm -hmm. And it's a sticky situation, and the parents are influential, and they're big donors, and I don't know oh, how, and the things yeah. are trained, right? Uh, so let's just really get on the kid who's dressed in the in the such and such building that shouldn't be. We'll crack down on him and make sure mm -hmm. he's suspended for three days or whatever. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like because somehow, as if to salve my conscience or something. Right. And you had mentioned something right. similar, like. Well, and I've I've worked in a different enough different you know school settings and whatnot that, and I don't think that the bad motive from any of them, but I think that no. it's very easy, just like the Pharisees back then, to miss the big picture issues. In our in our zeal and cracking down on the small well, we things, and about. I think that's the issue with legalism: is making up a set of rules and enforcing them really hard when you're actually not even seeing. Well, one of the things know. I had mentioned is, I, and I've watched this happen in our church. Like, and I'm not trying to take a, a stand one way or the other, but music. Mm. Like, I know people are like, "Hey, we're going to be really hardcore. Make sure that we don't allow any variation mm -hmm. on, you know, music the to come standards, in." Of course, but yeah. there are glaring misunderstandings about about the law and the Sabbath and the gospel. It's like, no, we're going to address or that. Or there might be other discipline issues that are discipline completely... Discipline issues in the church. Yeah. Yeah. And not that the one, not that you should leave these exactly. undone. We should have Jesus dress codes and music policies, all those kind of things. And not left the others undone. Exactly. But it's just an exhibit of... So legalism is, is oftentimes just the opposite of an attempt to obey God. It's actually often an attempt to get around something you don't want to do mm. and then just multiply certain behaviors as if to kind of way out, you know, mm. offset. Yeah, like 12 little ones will offset one big one or it something. It has to do with motive. And if a person has a pure heart out of love for God who mm. wants to do his will, it doesn't matter how particular they're being. They're not being legalistic because legalism is a motive, mm. and it's a motive that isn't driven by love. So, mm. um, I love that. All right. The, 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 the goal of the gospel is to bring people to obedience of the faith, and the last thing the lesson brings up is that Israel's failure at Kadesh Barnea was the result of their disobedience. And that's very plain. If you go to mm -hmm. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 18 and 19, it ties their lack of faith and their disobedience together. This is why they didn't enter the land. And that's why Paul says, and that goes on in that passage to say, don't fall after the same example that they gave of their mm -hmm. disobedience and rebellion to God. Mm. So the idea is that um, the, you know, the, the lesson is, as we come into Deuteronomy, we have an example of the Israel of God on the borders of the promised land. And that speaks to us today on the borders of the eternal world. And mm -hmm. if we, you know, Ellen White makes this reference repeatedly, that we, are, we are on the borders of the heavenly Canaan as the Israelites were on the borders there. And God is looking for his people, a called out people who will share the gospel, to call people to faithful obedience to him, turn us from rebellion uh, to uh, light and life and obedience to the mm. will of God. Mm. Well, I was just looking at that last quarterly, uh, the last reference you yes. have there from Thursday's lesson. Friday's lesson. Uh, no, I'm looking. Oh, at, yes, yeah. yes, yes. It says, then, speaking of Kesh Barnea, then, as now, so often disobedience has occurs as a result, not just of outright rebellion, though that does happen, but from a failure to trust in what God tells us. And you and I kind of mentioned that, okay, we can call the one outright rebellion, the other one's just a failure to trust. Yes. Well, that's just a softer form of rebellion, right? right? It's, it's not like, outright it's, rebellion, it's subtle it's, rebellion. It's subtle, it's nuanced, <laughs> it's careful rebellion. You know? But the idea being that there's an underlying thing. Either you're going to take God in his word and follow him, or you're not. Yes. Uh, whether it's a bigger or And we got us quick glossing over yeah. 
uh, subtle rebellion. Well, and we're going to, I imagine as we go through Deuteronomy, we're going to see some some of those issues. It's interesting uh, here. This last statement says, uh, Patriots and Prophets on page Friday, on Friday's uh, lesson from Patriots and Prophets 392 says, the decree that Israel was not to enter Canaan for 40 years was a bitter disappointment to Moses and Aaron, Caleb and Joshua. Yet without a murmur, they accepted the divine decision. But those who had been complaining of God's dealing with them and declaring that they would return to Egypt wept and mourned greatly when the blessings which they had despised were taken. So the people who prized the blessing, Moses and Aaron, they didn't get it either, but they didn't murmur. Mm -hmm. But the rest of the guys who had murmured, who had despised Mm -hmm. the blessing, now they're upset that they're not getting it. And notice this sentence. Had they mourned for their sin when it was faithfully laid before them, this sentence would not have been pronounced that 40 years in the wilderness. You got to think about that one for you a think second. think about yeah. that. So, so d- getting ready to stone Caleb and Joshua and all of that would have been forgiven and they could have gone right into the land. If they had just had they acknowledged, just acknowledged and said we did wrong. And I think how mm. often are we unwilling to acknowledge that we did wrong and here we're, we've got to keep skirting, <laughs> traveling in the wilderness, traveling in the That's wilderness right. instead of going into the heavenly Canaan. Mm. It says, that sentence finishes, but they mourned for their judgment. Their sorrow was not repentance and cannot secure a reversing of their sentence. Mm. And obviously, that's the thing we want to avoid yes. as we as we study through Deuteronomy. Let's learn lessons and make applications that will be a benefit to our spiritual lives. Amen. All right, let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to study this powerful book of Deuteronomy. And even in the preparation for it, Lord, there's some important themes that we've touched on today that will be developed, I assume, as we follow through in this lesson. So, Lord, bless every student, every teacher, every superintendent, everyone that has anything to do with this Sabbath school and these important truths. Help us to be honoring you in our presentation of them and discussion of them, and most importantly, Lord, in our application of them in our lives. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.